Marini's Media. How was that for a kickoff? Apple stopping play at Fleetwood, banners over Barrow, the Smiths reforming at Swindon. I want some football too. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Howdy gang, Matt Davis-Adams here to guide you through the EFL's opening weekend in the company of the tactical analyst, internet darling and one-time winger Adrian Clark. Morning, Clarky. Good morning, internet darling. No one's ever called me that before. Yeah, I was going to go with Housewives' favourite, but that feels like a bit sort of 80s. So yeah, that, that's what we're going with. That, that, this that's week. a bit of a stretch as well, to be fair. But, yeah, <laughs> I'll take I'll take internet darling. It's good. Uh, TV heartthrob and Swindon Town Hall of Famer Sam Parkin is also in. Hi, Sam. That's spot on. I've got no complaints there. <laughs> Perfect. And returning for her long overdue sophomore appearance on the pod, you'll have heard her across the British Broadcasting Corporation's footballing output from match of the day to final score to the WSL wearer of many hats, but never happier than when sporting an Oxford United one. Hello, Robin Cowan. Oh, thanks for having me back, Matt. It is our pleasure. Uh, before we get busy reviewing games, it's time for Paddy Power's Performance of the Weekend. Uh, it's basically a device which allows the show's principal sponsor to get an elongated mention under the guise of a feature praising noteworthy performances from football teams. Each episode will nominate the side we think has excelled in the EFL and make a case as to why they should be our weekly winner. We then leave it to you, dear listener, to decide who is right. You've got 15 seconds, guys, to tell us your team and why they should win. If you go over that time, you will know. Adrian, I'm going to let you start first. You have picked Reading. Tell us why. Well, Vilko Paunovic comes out of quarantine and delivers the, the perfect away performance. Super organised at the back. Um, in central midfield, brilliant. Laurent comes in from Shrewsbury alongside Rinomota. Brilliant. Lucas Yao, unplayable up to- Blind me, that went a bit fast. I didn't even get to Ajaria and his goal, but there you go. Good performance. It's a a big old bong, that. Um, Robin, you've gone for Accrington. Tell us why. Two of the best goals you'll see all weekend, Dion Charles and Tariq Uwakwe, the kind that make noises come out of your mouth. Beating aside one of the favourites for promotion in Peterborough, fielded uh, £3 million worth of players in the front line alone, and any team to throw the so-called Project Vengeance into... Closer than Clarky, I think, that one. <laughs> Sam, let's see if you can hit the mark with Sheffield Wednesday. Um, excellent all-round performance, unlike Sheffield Wednesday. Brilliant at the back, two strikers scored. Points penalty, don't worry about that. Siege mentality. Accrington scored two fleeks, uh, flukes and uh, Reading were playing against a team without any strikers. In white play, so it was <laughs> if only you hadn't started with an erm and thrown in a fleeks, you'd have probably hit it. Bang on then. <laughs> Best so far. Uh, I'm going for Harrogate Town. Easy one, this. First ever EFL game against a team who were two divisions higher than them last season in South End. They made the Shrimpers look like prize prawns. Barely a month since Harrogate won promotion. They scored more goals than anyone else in League Two this weekend. And that's... Good. Right, we'll get better at that as the season goes on, uh, probably. You did tell us it was going to be 30 seconds. I was only halfway through. Well, initially, Abby said it's going to be 30 seconds. Then she said it's going to be 20 seconds. And then at the last minute, she changed it to 15. So that was sneaky from the producer. But I think we did quite well anyway. I didn't realise you were coming in, Matt, because I would have said Harrogate were playing against a youth team as well. So there you go. (laughs) Ouch. 
We'll get to our weekend review shortly. First, I wanted to have a, a brief chat about a story which David Ornstein's written in his Monday column for The Athletic this week. I'm quoting David in the piece here. He writes, Last week it was reported that an EFL request to be allocated Fulham's outstanding parachute payments had been rejected following their promotion back to the Premier League. The Athletic understands the same has occurred with West Brom, who were due to receive a third and final payment of £15 million, having been relegated in 2018. So basically, instead of Fulham and Albion getting those parachute payments, which they're no longer entitled to, given that they're back in the top flight, the money goes back to the Premier League. Um, I'm going to give this one to you first of all, Adrian. You've been outspoken on on the need for the Premier League to help the EFL out. Do you think that this would have been a good way for them to do it? I think it would have been the perfect way for them to help out. It would have been the right gesture. It's very selfish of them to take it back. But having said that, Premier League clubs are down an awful lot of money. What with the the China TV agreement being being cancelled and various other issues, so so I, I get their predicament. But the EFL is in desperate need for funds, and this wouldn't have hurt the Premier League. Um, they weren't expecting to have that money back. It would have been the right gesture, in my my opinion, to to hand it to spread it out uh, among the seventy two clubs because. It, it will make a big difference to them. Robin, it would have been quite an easy PR win for the Premier League this, wouldn't it? That's exactly what I was thinking. Very easy. And it just feels like, you know, there's been so much chat about how certain teams are going to survive. And this really would have been a nice big tick in the old Premier League box. And it wouldn't have been that difficult, would it? Sam, do you think that the Premier League should be obligated to help the EFL out or, or is it is it not really up to them to be to be saving clubs of the 72? No, I think they should be. And I think we should have learnt lessons from obviously what happened to Bury. And you think of some of the superpowers that neighbour them. I felt something could have been done maybe out of just kindness really at that point as well and it's so interesting going into these fixtures and yes we're excited about new players and the prospects of teams chances but a lot of uh, the build-up was dominated by clubs that are are down on numbers in their squads or struggling to to pay x amount uh, for for players so I think further down Clarkie touched on it further down the EFL there are clubs that have been really hindered by coronavirus and, and and by the lack of supporters allowed in the ground. So, of course, it would have been the perfect moment from, for some solidarity from above. And remember, guys, barring about seven, eight clubs in the Premier League, they're all capable of getting relegated. You know, there's every chance that a number of these Premier League clubs will be in the EFL in, in the coming years. So it's a little bit, bit short-sighted and obviously selfish at this moment in time. All right, actual football's much more fun to talk about. Let's do that with specific regard to the championship next. For the rest of this month, this month being September 2020, you can take out a subscription to The Athletic for the frankly ridiculous price of just £1 a month. That's unrivaled football writing and analysis from the very best people in the business, a brand spanking new breaking news service and ad-free versions of each Athletic podcast, all for just £1 a month. Go to theathletic.com slash league show to get started. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, sponsored by Paddy Power and part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Headlines from the opening weekend at the EFL's top table include all three relegated sides, Bournemouth, Watford and Norwich, picking up W's on their return to the championship 
Meanwhile, an injury time winner gives Rotherham the points against the Chairboys in the Battle of the New Boys. Uh, speaking of points, Wednesday cut their deficit by three, just minus nine for them now. In the Sam v Matt, that's me, Derby, uh, QPR versus Forest. it was a surprise to see Forrest lose. Stylish Sabri quickly going out of fashion, according to reports in The Athletic on Monday. And I talk Karanka, Velko Panovic and Dean Holden, brackets sort of, close brackets, celebrate opening day successes with their new clubs, new manager bounce or what. Uh, we picked a few key results. First up, Birmingham won. Brentford nil. This was Saturday's early kickoff. Birmingham won the Battle of the Bees against the Bees. Uh, we'll get to Brentford, but we ought to start off with the team that won. Birmingham ahead by the break, thanks to a header from Jeremy Bella, past the stand-in keeper. Bella tweeting, great way to start the season. Plus emoji, number three emoji, football emoji, flames emoji, hashtag KRO, hashtag JB11 at BCFC. Uh, Clarky, you were worried for Karanka on our preview show last week after that cup defeat at home to Cambridge. Presumably you preferred what you saw from Itor and co here. Oh, it's much more like it, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it's a really, really good performance. Lovely balance to the team. So maybe we can just put that 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 opener to one side. I still think there there are issues at Birmingham, but but Karanka is a, a pretty safe pair of hands at, at championship level. He had players in the right positions. You look at the back four, it's very settled. And and in midfield, I thought that they looked they looked strong with Clayton alongside Sunjic. And, and and the wingers contributed, one with an assist, one with a goal. So um it's no really, really good start. Seemed like a good spirit to the team as well. And and the story of the game is obviously the fact that despite signing two goalkeepers, Karan corrupted to play a teenage rookie, Zach Geacock, who had a blinder. So it'd be fascinating to see whether he, he keeps the shirt for the next game. Yeah, Neil Etheridge signed just a couple of days before the game. Karanka saying that he will come in, but Geacock certainly uh, did his cause no harm at all. Uh, speaking of keepers, Sam, no David Rea for Brentford, I noticed. Does that mean that he's going to be departing soon? And if so, where do you think he's going to end up? Um, I'm not sure. I think there was rumours of Arsenal, Aston Villa as well. So you may be another Brentford player who's going to go up the M40 and join Dean Smith at um, uh, Aston Villa. So, yeah, it's, uh, it is a concern for Brentford. These players all, all leave in. I think we just have to take a bit of a breath. Um, it's no need for panic. I think there was enough in the performance in the second half. Plenty of chances. But I do worry about them in that type of game. That's three on the spin now, if you include the Swansea defeat in the playoffs, that they've lost by a goal to nil. And they seem to have that in their armoury. I don't know what it is. A little bit of a soft underbelly. Maybe, but you know, with that, we just need to wait and see how much of the Watkins money they reinvest, possible Ben Rama money as well, and what type of signings they're going to bring in. Because with Canos and Marcondes, I'm quite strong on this. I don't think they bring the goals and the assists, of course, not to replicate what happened last year, but I think they're squad players, those two. And with the introduction of Force and Fossey from the bench as well on Saturday, I think there's going to be a great necessity to bring some some top quality in those positions if they're going to avoid the playoffs again. Interesting, isn't it, Robin? Because Brentford have been widely praised in, in recent years for, for everything they've done on and off the pitch, essentially. But but Sam's right, the recruitment's going to be absolutely key for them to, to kind of put out, get over last season's hangover and, and make sure that they're up there again this time round. Absolutely. But uh, as you say, it's uh, everyone's so 
confident that Brentford will get it right because they have done year after year, transfer window after transfer window. Um, but they're obviously losing a lot of goals, potentially. They've obviously lost Wally Watkins and side Ben Rama. He is going to go, it sounds like. The good thing is, I suppose, they do have it. It's another month, I think, till the transfer window closes. So I'm sure they have something up their sleeve. But that's a big turnover. Goalkeeper's obviously fantastic as well. So he'll be a big loss. Just interesting to me on this actual game, this was the exact same game that opened last season, apart from it was in at Griffin Park. And it was the exact same scoreline. Although I think I remember last season, that was Birmingham's only shot on target and it went in. So this was slightly more dominant from Birmingham, which is quite interesting. This just seems like it's... I don't know. Are Brentford the most predictable team in the championship? Is it all going to happen over and over again? That, that they create so many chances and then occasionally they have these games where they just can't take them. Yeah, we'll see if they can uh, get back on the horse. They go to Southampton in the FL Cup in midweek and then they host Huddersfield at the weekend. Birmingham away at Swansea on Saturday. Uh, elsewhere, goals are plenty by the seaside. Bournemouth 3, Blackburn 2. Jack Stacey putting Bournemouth ahead. Bradley Johnson equalising. Jefferson Lerma restoring the Cherries lead, but Blackburn weren't done. Adam Armstrong pulled one back only for Arnat Danjuma to score the winner with eight minutes remaining. That's given away by Blackburn. They've got a man committed upfield now, and here's Adam Smith leading the charge. Danjuma left corner of the penalty era. Arnat Danjuma in the box, onto his right foot. Oh, magnificent finish! Cherry's pre-season in-form man and the Dutchman has his first competitive Bournemouth goal and they're back in front for the third time. 3-2. Phew. Uh, Jason Tindall off to a winning start then. Sam, did he do much different to, to Eddie Howe in terms of how he set the team up? Yeah, well, the um, the 3-4-3 three, three is not something they did with great regularity last season. So a bit of a, a change in the system Still, I thought I thought that actually at times that the back end of last season they went quite direct for certain games, obviously because the predicament they were in. So it was very much back to playing out. Certainly in the first half, um, they got caught out on a few occasions, but I thought the intensity, the way they shifted the ball forward in the second half was a lot more aggressive, uh, and they looked a lot better. Um, and and I was pleased to see the likes of Dan Juma and and Stacey get off with the goals because they're the type of players I think will really prosper in the championship this year some of the guys that haven't had the regular game time in the Premier League or or not experience in the Premier League so I thought they just about deserved it that said it was defensive deficiencies on both sides I think Blackburn are desperate in that regard they need probably two centre-halves and probably a left-back as well so that's where the managers will be focusing Jason Tindall included in that they need to be better defensively the young goalkeepers obviously made a really bad mistake. So I would suggest moving forward, they'll probably be in for a goalkeeper as well as I would say another striker and maybe a wide player. But in terms of a first day of a season for a rookie manager, he'll be relieved and absolutely thrilled that they've won their first game. Yeah, Robin, I feel like of all the, the new managers in the championship this season, it was almost the most important that Tyndall got off to a, to a good start because otherwise you start to open yourself up to accusations of, well, it meet the new guy, same as the old guy kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. For, I mean, there's quite a few assistants that are stepping up this season, aren't there? So, um, yeah, no, uh, big, big afternoon for him. I want to ask you, Matt, actually, because you seem to have Bournemouth's number. What's going to happen to them this season? We should be asking you, shouldn't we? <laughs> I'm not making any more predictions. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be fun, aren't they, this season, I think. You know, they've gone back to their attacking ways. I did a lot of them last season for Match of the Day in the Premier League and they Sam's absolutely right. They went a bit more direct and they tried to stop 
they they went more defensive and it didn't work. It just didn't work at all. There were times where they barely had a shot on goal. So I think he's obviously trying to get back to where they were, which is this kind of swashbuckling attacking team. And if you look at the starting lineup, I mean, these players were signed for the Premier League. So if they can keep hold of most of them, I think the only one maybe not sure about David Brooks, I'm not sure if he'll still be there, but you've got the likes of Mepham, Lloyd Kelly, Lewis Cook, Dominic Solanke. You know, that is an excellent uh, championship team he's got there. Um, Clarky, we took some stick last week for not mentioning Blackburn on our season preview. What what kind of campaign do you think that Mobrinko are, are in store for? Yeah, I think Sam's hit the nail on the head. They need better defenders. And, and if they get that platform, then they can challenge in the top half of the table. No doubt about it, because you've got one of the division's best forward players in Adam Armstrong. Um, he Again, he scored a lovely goal, didn't he? On the turn, receiving it and swiveling, knocking it into the corner. I like Nyambe at, at right back. He, he produced the, the assist there. Now, look, I don't think anyone's got Blackburn as, as playoff certainties, have they? But... But I don't see them as being relegation fodder either. I think you're probably looking at mid-table for them. But but yeah, they, they certainly need to, to shore up at the back. Both teams were a bit rusty. I like the look of Bournemouth's back three at championship level. Steve Cook, Kelly and Mepham. When they're all fully fit uh, and up to speed, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty good unit. Uh, Cardiff nil, Sheffield Wednesday 2, the battle of the winged creatures, the owls besting the bluebirds. Producer Abby asking if the bluebird is a real animal, which I thought was quite extraordinary for somebody of her intelligence level. But, but this is for you, Abby. Bluebirds are a group of medium-sized, mostly insectivorous or omnivorous birds in the order of passerines in the genius Cialia of the thrush family, brackets, turdidae, close brackets. I'm speaking of Turdiday, lots of talk of, of hangovers this season for teams. And, and Cardiff, Robin, really weren't at it here. Um, they reaching for the resolve, just trying to shake off the effects of that failed playoff campaign. Well, Neil Harris, I think he was asked about that after the game and he didn't really say that. I understand the question, but I don't think that's the case. I think... Um... I don't know, sometimes it feels a bit lazy saying that there's a hangover, but I'm not sure. I think it is in this case. You know, they, they were excellent at the back end of last season. And I think the disappointment for that, I mean, I guess this is one for the for Adrian or Sam. I was just wondering, in, in terms of the psychology of these two teams, Cardiff coming off the back of losing that semi-final and then Sheffield Wednesday have this points deduction. So I just feel like maybe there's, I don't know, a bit more focus for Sheffield Wednesday or as opposed to Cardiff going, oh, you know, another slog of a season, perhaps. I'm not sure. I think... I think a few weeks down the line, this game could have had a, a different outcome. I think having been there in a dressing room when you've got that points penalty, you've got a real spring in your step the first few games. But then when you when you have the kind of midweekers and you have a big amount of games in the first few weeks of the season and you don't get maximum points and you still three or four points minus three or four it can become pretty tough. I mean, at Luton Town, we were minus 30 and we weren't into positive <laughs> points until Christmas, I think. So this is different, but um, I think it can be tough mentally. So I think they'll have a spring in their step for a couple of weeks, but if they get a couple of defeats, this is going to be a tough challenge. And, and you know, the other side of it for Cardiff, I think they'll be absolutely fine, but might take them a few weeks to get going and get over those scars. Yeah, they've they've um, they've also got the off-field issues, haven't they, with uh, Mendes Lang having his contract cancelled. I think that's uh, obviously is something that's been bubbling away behind the scenes, and and that's not easy. We don't know the circumstances; can't comment 
on it, but but it it won't be easy for the dressing room because I'm sure that that he's got good pals in there that that will be sad to to see him leave so suddenly. So so yeah, issues for Harris to deal with, but yeah, over the remaining 45 games, I, I think Cardiff will will probably still be above. Well, they'll certainly be above Sheffield Wednesday. Any other championship games anyone wants to talk about? Sam, QPR beating Forest? No, let's move on from that then. Any others? <laughs> um, Norwich were good. I, I, well, they weren't brilliant, but but they, they did a really professional job. And I think it's important for them. They lost so many games. Clearly, they lost every game, didn't they, post-lockdown? It was disastrous. So I think it was really important for them to to, to get that clean sheet and to grind out uh, a decent win with a sub. Edar coming off, off the bench to, to score the winner. So, so yeah, I think I think Daniel Farker will be a very relieved man and they can. I would expect Norwich to, to kick on now. Oh, well done. You didn't make the happy Farker joke. Let's um, leave the base humour to me. <laughs> uh, OK, let's get into League One next. Everyone remembers that time you've had that peach of an accumulator looking good only for... Oh, and the keepers let it slip through his legs in the 94th minute. Or the right back has to pull on the gloves and face a penalty. Or Man United have again conceded a late equaliser. But with Paddy Power's Acker Cracker, you get a free bet if one leg of your fourfold plus Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Minimum odds of 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeCumbleAware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. Into League One where the headlines read, Sunderland get a one-all draw. Is this from last season's script? No, broken record. Uh, Welland's men were well in the points as Swindon beat Rochdale 3-1. There were wins for newly promoted Plymouth 2 but Northampton drew with Wimbledon. Whilst Charlton bested crew. The first game that I'm going to talk about though is Gillingham nil Hull City 2. Keen Lewis Potter and Josh McGuinness with the goals. Um, Robin, we were down on Hull after the restart because they plummeted their way into League One. So this is something of a surprise? A huge surprise for me. It was absolutely shocking after the restart, wasn't it? And I was actually quite surprised that Grant McCann is still the manager I'm not sure if it was questioned a lot because I just think the form they went on after that you'd have huge question marks and it just doesn't seem very usual it's a great start for him and I I just wonder maybe if it's a bit of um, complacency from the higher ups maybe that he's still there um, without sounding too harsh on him but you know not an easy game drilling him away to start with in league one and um and they absolutely bossed it, didn't they? I think the Jills had one shot on target and that came in about after about five minutes. So, yeah, great start for him. Exactly what he and Hull City needed. Yeah, easy to read too much into the uh, first game of the season, Sam, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. It, it felt like this is a massive three points for Hull, given what we've seen from them last season. Yeah, I think it would have surprised a few people up and down the country. Uh, I think... Robin's bang on, really. I was surprised that Grant McCann kept his job, pleased that he did, and was given an opportunity to to get them going because, you know, he was hung out to dry at the back end of last season with the departures at that club. You know, we we all knew what was going to transpire just because you've got the points on the board. If you let your best players go, that can quickly spiral into trouble. And it did. I think lost 16 out of the last 20 games. And coming up against the Gillingham team, which I didn't realise until I was looking through 
last season's results at the weekend. They lost one in the last 17. I knew they finished strong, but that's incredible. So going there was a really difficult game. But Gillingham are one of those teams that have been really affected by the recent goings on. They've lost a number of players. So they're a little bit in uh, transition at the moment. And um, they bossed it. Oh, yeah, I really like the look of the, the midfield. Two very inexperienced centre-halves. Um, Gillingham have got Magoma, 22 years old, and Zach Medley, who's on loan from Arsenal, I believe was at Chelsea's academy before. So I've seen a little bit of him. And that was a little bit of a um, rude awakening for them. But yeah, a, a really good performance. And when you look at that 11 of Hull City, if they can have one or two additions, they should be just fine. I'm not going to tip them for promotion but certainly going to be in the top half and potentially challenging if they could get a bit more quality. Yeah, speaking of additions, reports this morning that Exeter's Randall Williams is heading Hull's way with a fee having been accepted. Uh, Accrington 2, Peterborough 0. One of the bookies' favourites were posh, falling at the first hurdle here to relegation favourites, Stanley, after goals from Dion Charles and Tarek Awakwe. They're giving a league debut to Tarek Awakwe today. From Chelsea. Now, trick on his now, debut against Leeds now, in midweek in the AFL Trophy. Now, and here he is. Oh, what a finish! Superb again from Stanley. Two absolute pearlers this afternoon at the Wham Stadium. Sam, tell us a bit about Tarek Awakwe. You and I have watched him for Chelsea. He's had quite the first week in senior football. Yeah, I was. I was thinking he would just be feeling amazing Saturday night when you're actually out there playing in the first team. I know there's no supporters, but um, so different from academy football and he'll be just ecstatic at the way it's gone the first week. And and what a goal. I text you, I think, at the weekend. I've not seen him strike a ball with his right foot, let alone do that. Much more uh, left-footed player. He's playing wide for Stanley. We've seen him play centrally. Probably seen him play at left-back as well. Can go beyond people. Carries the ball nicely forward. Um, so, you know, he's not one of the first names that would come out of the mouth when you're talking about academy prospects, but it just shows you the quality these top clubs have got when he's gone there and, and got four goals in League One already. So certainly a, a great signing uh, for John Coleman. Yeah, got himself a hat-trick against Leeds in the trophy last week too. Um, Adrian, as for Peterborough, they they were not happy at how last season ended. They won't be happy at how this one started either. And, and Johnson Clark-Harris maybe going to take a while to become the new Ivan Tony. It might take him a while, but I think playing for Peterborough, he'll get plenty of chances. They had 19 efforts in this game, and we, we know how difficult it is to play away to Accrington Stanley. They were beaten by two great goals, two worldies, weren't they? Dion Charles on the volley. I mean, that was that was an absolute cracker. So, so I don't think Peterborough should beat themselves up up too much. They'll score plenty of goals this season. They were missing, of course, two players, Reese Brown and Sariki Dembele. Who who had who tested positive for COVID, so and they're they're two very key players, particularly Dembele, who I think will form a great partnership with Johnson Clark Harris Moisa, not quite as effective by all accounts at the, at the weekend. So now it's one of those bit of a shock to the system, um, but but they'll come again, Peter, but no doubt about it. Do you think, Robin, that they they might do a bit more business before the the window ends? I can see it happening, yeah, absolutely, especially after this result. I mean, not that we should uh, go over the top, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, 
didn't quite get it in in my 15 seconds, but I didn't realise that Darren McAntony had called this project Vengeance after what <laughs> happened last season. And I just think that's kind of putting a bit of a target on the old back there. So we'll it's, a bit, it's a bit Steve Evans, that, isn't it? It is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's odd those two didn't actually get on that well, isn't it? Um, let's move on to, to Lincoln to Oxford nil. You can't see this, listener, but on our video call, Sam is grinning like a Cheshire cat and... and Robin, not so much. Is, it, is this uh, that that word again, Robin, hangover? There's such a tight turnaround between last season and this. Is it going to take a while to shake off last season's disappointment? I think yes, although Oxford started really well with a penalty shootout win in the Carabao Cup and then beat Chelsea's under-21s in the EFL Trophy and they were two different teams and they were both pretty good performances. So it was really disappointing on Saturday especially coming up against the ex who, um, you know, uh, Michael Appleton afterwards, it kind of made it even worse. They did a job on Oxford United, Lincoln. Um, They scored very early on, sat back and then got another goal from a set piece. And then afterwards, Michael Appleton said to the press, oh, it's all right, Oxford United, they'll be up there. Don't you worry about that. And I'm like, yeah, thanks for that little pat on the head, uh, (laughs) Michael. Uh, So yeah, it was was not a good afternoon all round. And I think more than the scoreline is the injury to Josh Ruppels, only left back at Oxford United, and also Rob Atkinson, who was sent off for a really weird straight red. Um, he was already on a yellow, and then yeah, it was, a, it was a, probably another yellow card, but it certainly wasn't a straight red. It was very odd. So I think the kind of damage is more that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, really, really disappointing start for Oxford United. I maybe yeah. Do you know what I am gonna take the hangover excuse? Thanks, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> what about Lincoln then? Then Clarkie, what what can we expect from them this season? Well, pretty good recruitment, I've got to say. During the summer, the goalkeeper is an interesting one, uh, Alex Palmer, uh, Loney from West Brom, and he he of course was at Plymouth between the sticks for them last year, and I, th- I think I put him in my league two team of the year. He was he was excellent for them, and he he had a really strong start for the imps so no I think I think they'll be they'll be strong good in wide areas they, they always have been well in recent seasons Lincoln anyway Harry Anderson's cross for the first goal was was one of the best you could you could wish to see so so no I'm I, th- I think Lincoln can, can look up this season I'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs but but I certainly think they'll be knocking on the door for the playoffs this time around no matter what Appleton says he, he came on this show and but played played everything down didn't he I think that's just his way um, he's got the kind of players that will suit his style of football now and this was a very efficient performance as Robin outlined 38% possession but they were much more dangerous when they had the ball they were more progressive and they and they sliced open Oxford on numerous occasions uh, Sam before we leave League One I think we ought to let you have a, have a word on Swindon and a successful start to them and, and I'm not going to use uh, the Smiths pun just just talk about them winning the game instead Robin, I'm only smiling, by the way, because my dad's from Lincoln, so he would have been uh, sure, thrilled, sure. thrilled with a glass of red when he was watching Jeff and the uh, the boys and girls on Saturday afternoon, watching <laughs> those goals going. Um, Swindon, 
a little bit overshadowed, I will say first, Matt, by the departure of Michael Doughty. So if I can just say what a brilliant lad he is and what an outstanding player he's been for Swindon. So I wanted to wish him well. I'm sure I'll send him a text later on, but um, really sad to see that he's um, had his um, his contract ripped up. So that's a that's a big blow for for personal reasons. So yeah, just wanted to wish him well, and I think that kind of took the wind out the support of sales a little bit on on Saturday night because he's probably there been their best player the last few years. But um, yeah, in terms of the game, Tyler Smith, great to see him get off with a goal, and um, obviously Rochdale like to play football and. Um, we know at times how aggressive Richie Wellens' team can be in terms of pressing. And we saw that with the, the third goal that Rochdale conceded. Matt Smith went and won it really high and uh, and scored um, scored the goal with the goalkeeper in no man's land. But yeah, I think they're going to need a few additions. They're a bit patched up defensively. But like I said, probably on the preview show, I don't have any concerns about Plymouth, Swindon or Crewe. And having seen how they all performed this week, even Crewe in defeat against Charlton, comfortably be away from the relegation zone uh, in, my, in my opinion and if Swindon can get the right players maybe a push for the playoffs but consolidation uh, would be fine by me. All right that's a nice way to round off League One. Final stop for us today League Two will be there in a jiffy. This is the Totally Football League Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Into League Two then, these are the headlines. Simon Weaver's Harrogate Town made a mockery of Mark Molesley's men as the EFL's new boys battered the Shrimpers of Southend. League favourites Bolton forced to eat humble if vegan pie by Hector Bayerin's Forest Green. And Cheltenham may need to bring down their good luck in the playoffs banner after they lost to Morecambe. More Shrimpers. Uh, what a start then for Harrogate, putting four past Southend at Roots Hall. Two teams starting this season as they finished last. The word momentum banded around a lot in football, but but seems appropriate here. Sam Harrogate with all the all the oomph and, and Southend still in free fall. Well, it's just the perfect game for, for Harrogate to get used to the EFL, although it's probably not a great example of what they're going to face in the weeks ahead. But yeah, just the perfect game uh, playing against a really inexperienced side. And um, I thought a nervy first five, ten minutes to be expected, but then it could have been really worse for Southend. They missed a number of other opportunities and the only real experience that Southend have got, they were all missing. They're missing White and Dimitriou and Dieng. So they had to just play, you know, you know, all the kids. So it's a fantastic result from from Harrogate, and uh, they would have enjoyed that journey back north at the weekend, no doubt. And I read this morning; I haven't got the chapter credit, but it's the biggest win for a side playing their first ever football league game since Staley Bridge Celtic beat Chesterfield six nil in August nineteen twenty one. So oh, wow. I thank you. <laughs> Clarky outstated and um, we'll come to you in a moment Adrian so try and steal yourself to talk about Southend uh, with Harrogate Robin again I know it's only one game but but I wonder if this is an, another example that maybe the gap between the National League and League Two certainly at the top end of the National League actually isn't that big I think I do agree with you generally with that point but I think as Sam said in mitigation this Southend side it was basically an under 23 side wasn't it I think a lot of them were making kind of senior debuts and so I think it's difficult to draw any hard conclusions from this but I think it's just interesting the contrast between the two clubs really at the moment um, Mark Mosley's obviously that's his first EFL job as well having joined from Weymouth Simon Weaver, who's now weirdly the longest serving manager in the EFL after one game but it just shows that 
the contrast between how the two clubs have been run recently, Harrogate on the up, they've just backed him but done it in a good way. And I think they are going in opposite directions at the moment anyway, but I'll let Adrian um, be the doom and gloom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally football league show bingo cards at the ready as I ask Adrian, what's going wrong with Southend United? (laughs) Well... (laughs) Well, they've got to sort their financial situation out. It's been going on for, for way too long now. This ongoing dispute with HMRC, I think they're back in court this week. It means that they're under a transfer embargo. So, And, and they're, they're having to get rid of so many players as well. Their best players are leaving. Luckily, Southend have got a terrific academy. They've been able to bring through really good young players for a number of seasons now. But, but there's only so long... You can go to the well with that. And, and you don't want to be putting an entire 11 of, of academy kids into a starting 11, not in League Two, not against, you know, strong teams. And you're going to come up against loads of those in that division. So so it's, they've got to sort sort the financial situation out first. Mark Molesley can't work miracles. He's not, he's not a magician. Um, on the stats thing, I've been through every match day squad in South End's history um, since the weekend, and I've worked Shit, out. What? Sorry, you've been... <laughs> yeah, and I've worked out that it's the youngest... good weekend. Was it? It's, it's the youngest squad in 114 years of South End United's history. Um, so there you go. Yeah, I've been through every single single match day group, and uh... now, sorry, I need to know how you've done that. <laughs> it must be must be a website. Uh, no, just, Did you just, go to the National you've, Archives? Or you've something? averaged out every starting lineup. No, I just nicked a stat of someone else. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just read it in the South End Evening Echo, but uh, I, had, I had you going for a moment there. But <laughs> um, the uh, no, South End have got some good young players, but but they need they desperately need experience to give this rookie guy Mark Mosley a, a chance. If this squad is what he's got to play with for this season, I fear for Southend United's future as, as an EFL club. And it's that serious. And you know what? The way it's going, you also fear, will they make the season? Because if you, you're looking around at clubs that are really struggling and Southend are pretty high on that list at the moment financially. Clarky, can I put you on the spot here? Go on. Do they, do they need a new owner, Southend? Well, I think they need new investment. I think that the chairman is by and large who who, who is pretty much the owner he uh, martin he's he's done a pretty good job over the years i have to say and southend have had a lot of successful teams but but i just don't know if he's got the finances to take the club forward i think he needs to bring in a shareholder somebody with some financial muscle that can get southend out of this hole i wouldn't necessarily say he has to go but they need new money from somewhere uh, well, one team who do have new money are Bolton Wanderers, but they lost 1-0 at home to Forest Green Rovers at the weekend. Uh, Robin, it's, it's a lot to ask for a new manager and basically an entirely new team to, to gel immediately. And lo and behold, they didn't do that on Saturday. Oh, a huge ask. I really don't understand how so many bookies have Bolton as the favourites for the title. I just They're not set up for that at all, considering what's going on. Apart from, obviously, no points deduction this time, which is great. It must... Uh, be great for the players to kind of have a fresh uh, coming into the new season without that on their minds. But, uh, you know, and also Ian Everett, you know, he was did a fantastic job at Barrow, but it took him a while to get his uh, Stampis philosophy on Barrow that made them be dubbed Barrow Salona. So I think um, just reading some of the comments from Bolton fans, he's obviously trying to 
start to do that with a bit more possession based but uh it's going to take time it simply it's going to take time and i think yeah this season i mean if they could make maybe sneak into the playoffs but i wouldn't think it would be any more than that football's a team game isn't it robin and and he, he had 10 debutants and that team had never played together. So you can always put, if you put 11 players together that have been been together for a while up against 11 superior players that have, have never started the same match together, it's an absolute leveller. So yeah, we're not going to see the real Bolton, I don't think, for, for a month or two. Yeah, Bolton could be forgiven for going to the pub, having a pint and waiting for all this to blow over after Carl Winchester's winner. Um, in terms of Forest Green Rovers, Sam, Mark Cooper, not universally popular, I think it's fair to say, amongst Rovers supporters uh, and maybe even under a little bit of pressure. His contract comes to an end at the end of this season. So so this is a more than decent start for him. Yeah, brilliant start. Really poor towards the back end of last season. Some dreadful uh, results in the running, but... He's been backed because they've made some brilliant signings through the spine of the team. I've seen quite a bit of Dan Sweeney at, at Barnet previously. He played in midfield. He can play centre-half as well. That midfield with Ebo Adams and, and Winchester is particularly strong. And then you look at Jamil Matt, not a out-and-out goal scorer, but a great centre-forward in the same mould of Christian Doidge, who did such great things for them for a couple of years. And... Um, defensively, Moore Taylor, player that I played with, very good as well. And... Um, Obviously, the right wing back, Kane Wilson, kept Hector Bellerin out the side at the uh, the weekend. So that was um, good for him. Not sure how he did, but um, no, nah, no. That's a really good start in 11. Um, obviously, as, as Robin said, you're going to expect under Ian Ever Bolton to have more possession. I think they did in the first half. It got a bit desperate in the second half. And some of their marquee signings, if you like, have not got up to speed yet. So Forrest Green probably caught. Bolton at the right time for the reasons that the other two have just discussed. Um, I think they'll be fine. And ultimately for, for, for Bolton, as we saw last year with Richie Wellens and Owen Doyle, a lot of it is about getting the best out of him. If they can create him chances, he will get a, a bag full. But I wouldn't be surprised if Forrest Green do maybe accumulate slightly more points than Bolton this season. Just about out of time for this week. Before we go, uh, you might have seen that Morecambe paid for a plane to fly over Barrow's Holker Street Stadium with the message, Welcome back to the EFL from Morecambe FC. Uh, it begs the question, when have our panel feigned footballing magnanimity in order to make themselves look good? Adrian, I'll start with you. <laughs> well... My dad's a Spurs fan, so so he's yeah he had he he had um, he had to sort of accept that that I was going to play for for the other side of of North London. He, he took it well, but so yeah, I was pretty magnanimous a couple a few years ago, just before it got demolished. I bought tickets for a legend stadium tour of White Hart Lane, so I, I went around and put put some money in the Spurs coffers and and spent a couple of hours pretending to be care uh, pretending to care and show interest and and, and 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 to not laugh at their sparse trophy cabinet so yeah I did my bit I did my bit and and uh, I was quite proud of myself there um it was Martin Chivers it was a lovely lovely fella um but yeah it was um it was a couple of hours I'll never get back how about you Robin you you hosted a, a charity event at the county ground 
<laughs> I, I don't think, yeah, I'm not really allowed around uh, that facility. To be honest, Matt, I couldn't really think of anything magnanimous. I don't know what that says about me. What I will say is what is, it's nice to see a plane with a nice, with a positive message for once, isn't it, in football? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, how about you, Sam? You, you played for 10 EFL clubs. You must have done something nice for one of their rivals at one point in your life. Um, well, I was going to go for actual rivals in my team. I'll come on to that. Same topic as uh, Adrian. I scored all those goals for Chelsea um, youth team and reserves, despite being a QPR fan. So that was really nice of me, early part of my career. But I would say always being mates with my competitors in the team, the centre forwards. Um, late on, Stephen Thompson was a big mate of mine in, in Scotland. But probably the one that stands out was... Um, Alan Lee, who came to Ipswich to essentially replace me when I was injured or trying to fight back to get in the team. And me and him were up off in his little smart Porsche up up the, uh, the Suffolk coast for cream teas most day after training. So I was the one who welcomed him into the club and uh, made sure that we had somewhere to frequent on a Saturday night after a, a game. So, uh, yeah. There you go. People think that footballers have an easy life, but they don't know about the struggles of having to get into the Porsche and drive off for a cream tea. Do it was Alan Lee's Porsche. <laughs> Alan Lee's Porsche, not mine. Very good. Uh, don't forget to join Ali and George for the Totally Football League show Extra Time on Thursday. They'll have a bit of EFL Cup action to look back on and the fixtures to look ahead to this weekend too. We'll be back next Monday. Until then, thank you, Robin. Been good to have you on again. Hopefully we'll do again soon. Thank you, Matt. Adrian, have a lovely week. Yep, cheers, guys. And Sam, we'll catch up same time next week. Cheers, Matt. Do check out our Twitter poll on the Paddy Power performance of the weekend and vote on that, please. We'll catch up with you again same time, same place next week. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Muddy Knees Media. Yes, that music means one thing and one thing only. The Offside Rule WSL edition is back. Woohoo! And the WSL is bigger and better than ever before. Which means we need to do the same. And that's why we've got interviews with the biggest names, the brightest minds in the game, as well as all the in depth match analysis you've come to know and love. Just search for the Offside Rule WSL edition, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can find us ad free on the Athletic app. That's the Offside Rule WSL edition, out every Tuesday. <laughs>